Have you ever wondered what a real Enneagram coaching session is like? Then stick around because in this episode today, you're going to experience an actual coaching session that I've done with a type eight. Hey, welcome friend. This is your Enneagram coach, the podcast, and I'm Beth McCord, your Enneagram coach. And at YEC, we're passionate about unlocking the transformative power of the Enneagram from a Christian perspective to enrich your life and relationships. We do this with lots of engaging podcasts, insightful books, and dynamic courses. You can find all of that at yourenneagramcoach.com. Now, with these tools, we provide you with many resources that you'll need for the lasting growth and change that you're looking for. We also train exceptional Enneagram coaches who are well-equipped to guide you on your journey in your personal and relational growth. You can find a coach today at myenneagramcoach.com. But if you're an Enneagram enthusiast who loves learning and talking all things Enneagram, then you should consider becoming an Enneagram coach and take our training. Now to get a free taste of our training, just watch our mini course. You can see it at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash mini course. Now in today's episode is going to be quite the treat because I'm giving you an exclusive peek into a real Enneagram coaching session with a specific type. And today it's type eight. Whether you're listening in or watching on our YouTube channel, you'll get to see an actual coaching session unfold right before your eyes. I know many of you are learning about the Enneagram through books and blogs and podcasts, but you probably haven't had the chance to see a real live coaching session. Well, today is that day because I thought, you know, this would be a perfect time for you to experience what it's actually like. So I put a call out to see who would volunteer to be excited to be coached by me and to take you through one of our YEC guide sheets. And the response was incredible. So many people came out of the war works and it was hard to pick just nine because we wanted to take you through all nine types over the course of nine weeks, but I did choose one from each type. So in these episodes, I'm going to walk you through each type's initial coaching session, the same one that I teach our coaches to take their clients through because these guide sheets are packed with valuable insights about that person's type, but more importantly, will help the person to go beyond just understanding the Enneagram and know how to apply it to their everyday lives, which you're going to see that today. Now let's face it. We're all having reoccurring issues that we can't avoid. We don't understand why we just want clarity. Well, understanding yourself in the Enneagram journey with the help of a coach is so vital. So if you feel stuck and you've learned a lot about the Enneagram and you don't know why you can't use it in the best way, then think about getting yourself an Enneagram coach. And with that, let me give you a little background on our guest client today who gave us permission that we would broadcast this podcast for all of you to hear. But today our coaching session is with Amanda Dowell as a type eight. Now, Amanda and her husband, Greg, and he's a type three, they've celebrated 29 years of marriage. They have a 26 year old daughter who's followed Amanda's footsteps and is attending Auburn university and pursuing her degree in medicine. Now they originally are from Texas. In fact, they lived there for about 30 years, but they now are enjoying the community and the charm of Auburn, Alabama. 
Now, when they're not at home, Amanda and Greg love to go overseas and to contribute their time and their heart to a refugee ministry in Greece. Amanda was introduced to the Enneagram by her daughter, who invited her to discover what her Enneagram type so her daughter could understand her mom better. Isn't that sweet? What's amazing about Enneagram coaching is that it's a customized approach to exploring more about yourself with greater clarity. Your coach will be able to guide you as you grow in your understanding of yourself. You will gain so many more insights and tools to use in your everyday life circumstances, which will help you to better navigate those circumstances that tend to derail you, right? But it will do it in a way that naturally fits you best. Well, I could go on and on about the benefits of getting an Enneagram coach, but instead I want to pull back the curtain and let you sit in on one of my coaching sessions. And today it's with Amanda, a type eight. Let's listen in. Hey, Amanda. It's so good to see you today. Hello, Beth. Good to be here. Yeah. Hey, thanks for wanting to be coached today. And I'm really looking forward to taking you through what we do um, at YEC is take you through five guide sheets. Mm -hmm. Um, The first guide sheet is just going to lay out some of the frameworks of your Enneagram type eight. Um, And so what I want you to experience as we're going through this is think of yourself almost like a person Um, in the airplane and you're parachuted out. Okay. And then you've dropped down into a really thick jungle. Okay. Now you're sitting there and you're like, okay, great. I have a little machete. How am I supposed to get through this to where I need to go? It would be so beneficial for that person. If not only they had a machete, but there was a little, even if it's a little path to go, oh, there's the path. It's little, but I can use the machete to get me through. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to do today. So when people learn about their Enneagram type, usually they don't realize there's so much going on internally. And the Enneagram brings this enormous clarity and direction of what's healthy or not healthy for them. And so think of yourself there in that thick jungle. And what I'm wanting and willing you to do is to go, okay, There's a lot here to consume and understand, but we're going to take it step by step. And I'm going to use my machete, which is using your mind, your heart, your emotions, your aha moments, insights, questions to carve that path a little wider so that as you're going through and you come back to it, you're like, okay, it's not so narrow. This makes more sense because what's going to happen that I'm hoping for you is that we're going to create, start creating new neural pathways in your mind because you may have always thought, Oh, I do this because of that or this because of that. And now you're going to get these new insights and we're going to want you to connect the dots between these new things you're learning and past experiences or like, or questions you've always had. I just want this to be a place where you're feeling really well understood and known, but not just that, but you have now a new path to head down in a um, more healthy direction. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Awesome. Um, Okay. So what we'll do is we're going to go through the first guide sheet and I'll direct our path. So you don't have to worry about the time. Um, You know, you know, is she going to get to the backside in time? You know, all that kind of (laughs) stuff. Because there's a lot of really great information and we could just spend so much time on each component, but we'll get through it in, you know, about an hour's time. So just let me guide the way. Um, And then anytime we read a section, what I would love for you to do is whenever you're feeling an aha moment or a question or an insight, um, I want you just 
to tell me, you know, just stop right there and say, oh my gosh, Beth, I did that in middle school. Like this makes so much sense why that happened. Or maybe you're going to be like, oh, wait a second. That's why I do it. Wait, can you explain this a little further? So anything like that, that comes up, that's what's most meaningful because that's, what's connecting the, the, the dots in your mind with your life circumstances, because everyone can read about their type, but that's not bringing transformation. It's when you connect the dots. So you, I had a counselor say, you have to collect the dots in order to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start collecting the dots as we go through this guide sheet, but I want you to start connecting the dots as we go. Does that sound Mm -hmm. good? It does. Yep. All right. Great. So let me get the, um, the slides up and we will go from there. There we go. Okay. So what we're going to do is we'll just focus on where the yellow highlight is. So, um, that we'll just really focus on that section. And I've kind Mm -hmm. of, um, blurred out the other stuff. So we're just kind of staying focused. So when it comes to the type eight, we call them the passionate protectors. They're assertive, they're self-controlled. I mean, they're self-confident, they're intense, they're big hearted and they're confrontational. Do those words describe you pretty well? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yes, I would say they do. Um, Some more other times than others. Yeah. Yeah. So as you can kind of see, it's a progression from really healthy and doing Mm -hmm. well to maybe not so healthy (laughs) as a type. Um, Now, when we're working with any of the Enneagram types, the biggest component with the Enneagram is to understand your core motivations. And the core motivations are really showing you why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways as a type eight. Mm -hmm. And by understanding these core motivations, it's going to radically transform pretty much everything you do in life if you keep them at the forefront of your mind. Now, it takes a long time to really get to know them, memorize them. But by having them really at the forefront of your mind, when circumstances come up, whether positive or negative, you can go, oh, yeah, that's why I'm thinking this way, especially when we get activated and we're not doing as well. These core motivations can really help you to avert disaster, meaning like going in a direction that maybe in the past you thought, okay, no, this is the way to handle it. And now we're like, 
okay, no, that's not so helpful. So let's check out your core motivations. Um, and I usually ask clients if they want me to read or if they want to read, because sometimes when people read like me, um, mm -hmm. if I was the client, I would just be focused on reading the words right versus really getting the, the meat of it. Um, whereas others are the opposite. So what would you prefer? I will read it, but I'm wondering, can it be any larger? Let me see. All right. Uh, well, and actually you have the guide sheet I do. Uh, in front of you. Yeah. So if yeah. you want to use that, that will be okay. great too. Yeah. So for those that. that are listening or watching the podcast, we have this, the, the guide sheet up and it's, pretty large, but when it's on a tiny screen, it may not be large enough. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah. So Amanda, go ahead and just read the core motivations and there's four of them. And again, if you have any thoughts, insights, aha moments, um, or when this connected to your past, that will be great to hear. Okay. So my core fear is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice, which does ring true. Um, the one I add in here because it really hits hard with me is um, betrayal of being betrayed by someone that I put trust in. Um, so I add that in to one of my core fears on that list. Um, right. I also think it left at the mercy of injustice. When I think about that, of course, that's sometimes what I view as an injustice, right? Or a, and it might not be what everyone else would look at as an injustice, but it'll hit me as one. So that feels really personal at times. Um, right, but yeah, right. definitely the core fear um, resonates as an eight. Yeah. So, and then and so as you move forward in understanding your type and exploring your type more, keep these in the forefront of your mind, because you'll notice that when you start to go off your healthiest path and you're starting to maybe live in autopilot or an unhealthy way, it's usually going to be some of these core fears are going to pop up or mm -hmm. you're not getting your core desire or your core weakness is really there. So yeah. keep these. Can you kind of see that almost like envisioning maybe a, a circumstance that you've been in recently, how you know, and what I also want it to you to know is that you can use different words. Like you said, you mm -hmm. know what I, I like to bring in betrayal because certain words are going to mean quite a bit for each Enneagram type. And so like, I love that you brought that word in. If there's any other words along the way that you're like, no, I really can't have this happen. Then just add that word for yourself in this um, spot, in, in any of these spots for the core motivations, okay. but that's really helpful. Um, okay, so what about your core desire? Core desire is protecting myself and those in my inner circle, which again, really, once I began to understand the Enneagram more, I noticed that I always carried what I call it like a small number of people, um, a small mm -hmm. tribe, and but they're deep. Um, and they mean a lot to me. We when they're friends, we call them family because uh -huh. it's the family yeah. you choose. And so, yes, right. I would do almost anything for them as I would with um, our core family. So that right. protector stance is definitely something I resonate with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and we'll probably, as we kind of unpack the rest of this, we'll, we'll bring to mind these core motivations into some of the elements and some of the connecting of the dots. Mm -hmm. um, 
but that's really good to know. And I think that's why, you know, I put um, those in your inner circle and that you said small is very typical of eights. It's a Mm -hmm. small set of people, Mm -hmm. but they're very dear to the eight and they will do just about anything for them. Um, Okay. So what about the core weakness for you? So core weakness is lust or excess, uh, constantly desiring intensity, control, and power, pushing myself willfully on life and people to get what I want. Um, Intensity, definitely. I don't necessarily um, feel the need to have power. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to know who to go to to get things done. Um, so that could play into that. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot of eights say, and I'd love to hear if this is true for you, that it's not that they want or need control or power. It's that they don't want to be controlled or have someone inadvertently using power incorrectly Mm -hmm. over them or those that they love. Would that be true? It is. Um, cause I'm very okay in a lot of situations to not be in a leadership position or um, a position of controlling those around me or the um, total situation. Um, Yeah. And then the idea of not being controlled to me resonates more often. I'm not saying the other part of control doesn't, isn't there, but the thought of being controlled and that also ties into that manipulated Um, Mm -hmm. I always want someone to tell me the truth. I'd rather know the truth than, you know, you try to protect me or something like that. And that's going to go sideways most likely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's really insightful. Um, and then the intensity, um, I love to highlight that for just a second because eights, a lot of times they don't realize how intense they are to, everyone else, they're like, no, I'm just like being me. And everyone else is like, whoa, like that's a lot of intensity. Um, and some people will even say, yeah, that person's really intimidated, um, by me. I don't understand. I'm not an intimidating person. It's like, well, you know, you have a lot of big energy. Have you heard that from other people, whether being intimidating or, you know, a lot of energy or intense? Yes. Um, a few years ago, we had dinner with um, a woman and um, was just getting to know her. And the friendship progressed over a few years. And at one point she said, that first time I met you, I was so intimidated. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, I didn't have any idea to me. And I thought back on the lunch and didn't see anything out of the norm on my part. But that was one of the first times that that was called to my attention. And luckily, she's a strong personality and a strong person. So it didn't um, hit her too wrong. And I appreciated that she shared that. But yeah, that was insightful. And um, my husband and I just talked the other day about a situation that's going on. And it's like, I just am so intensely focused on it. And there's a high level of intensity there that is very difficult to dial back. Um, There's like um, a rush um, that happens inside with that level of intensity that can be, I think it's a bit addicting, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) almost brings kind of like an adrenaline rest, adrenaline rush, also probably motivation and passion, right. With it, like, and with passion, it could be, um, uh, anger, right. So, Mm -hmm. or injustice and, 
or it could be just you're passionate about something and there's that rush and that rush what i've heard from eights is like and let me know if this feels true to you is like there's a fire in their gut and that it has to be expelled immediately does that feel true like a visceral reaction to yeah. the circumstances it's very visceral i don't wouldn't i don't resonate necessarily with the fire but um i can okay. definitely immediately feel most things literally in my gut um yeah. and i can i've learned to gauge that to know my level of interest and passion yeah. about something and if i if i don't really get that feeling it's like huh i'm not, not all into that or that's not getting me amped up in a good way it's usually it's often right. positive it's not negative um all the time yeah. so it's a good signal and i really relate to the you know the gut triad because literally feel it in my gut yeah well one thing um i wanted to kind of highlight and point out is that a it's with their intensity and like you said it's kind of addicting but it can also be very problematic for them and i mean and for others but <clears throat> the reason why i'm saying this is that it's Think of um, an eight as like a light or like a, a light, you know, and there's a dimmer switch. Well, the eight has it on full blast at 100 percent all the time and they love it. They're like, isn't this great? And everyone else is like <laughs> feeling kind of blinded or like, wow, that's really intense. You know, um, someone might be like, no, I kind of like it at like a nine might be like, no, I like it at 30 percent. You know, uh, why are you <laughs> so intense um, now? That is an amazing quality and ability that we need from our eights to get things done, to move things forward, to plow a path for others. But it can also come at a detriment to our eights and then ultimately others when that light just goes out. And I don't mean, you know, like death. I'm just saying like a lot of times what that means for an eight and tell me if this rings true for you is that their body just gets sick or it just shuts down. It's like the eight can't push through the circumstance any longer. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, the word exhaustion comes to mind. It's exhausting to be at that level pretty constantly. Um, I have learned to meter it somewhat, um, but my core stance is either, and I've said this to people who know me, I'm either all in or I am all out. It is very right. hard to find that middle ground. It's a struggle to stay involved in something and not be just floor to the pedal, um, right? Pedal to the floor, whatever. Um, going all out with a hundred percent. So, but I'm yeah. getting better. <laughs> yeah, and one thought um, that comes to mind for eights is, you know, taking that dimmer switch, and it doesn't mean going to fifty percent, you know, mm -hmm. or or 30% or anything, it could be, well, what is it like just to adjust it slightly? You know, what does it look like to be at 90% or 80%? Cause that's still pretty bright. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of things that get done, but you're not expending yourself too much too quickly. Um, and so in circumstances that might be something that you can bring to the forefront of your mind when you, you can go, Oh wait, you know, I am, all in and mm -hmm. i don't need to be but this is something i'm passionate about and i want to see it through to the end but i don't want it to be at expense for myself which then can ripple effect to others so thinking through okay well what does 90 percent or 80 percent look like for me yeah. this would that be helpful 
It would be. And I love the visual concept of that because I am a very visual person. So the imagery of the dimmer switch and, you know, actually having them in the house and knowing what that looks like um, is is very helpful. Yeah, yeah because... I mean, like when you dim it a light, even to 70%, it's still pretty bright, you know, yeah. um, obviously depending on what light bulb you have in there, but eights are pretty bright light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I, I like the analogy because I think it, like you said, it gives us that um, visual. Now for me as a nine, my dimmer switch is usually at like 30 or 40. And it's like, Beth, you need to like ratchet it up a little bit, <laughs> you know? And so I need to lean into my eight and lean mm -hmm. into that three space and uh, move and get going. And so I think that's really beneficial to just kind of understand how that works within you. Mm -hmm. So as the core weakness, cause it's going to pop up all the time, it's constantly yeah. there, but it doesn't have to rule us we can understand how it's operating within us. So how does the intensity, the lust, the excess, how is that popping up? And then where can you somewhat course correct or um, bring in a different thought or an element to help you not to be at that level? So hopefully that dimmer switch will be, you know, a helpful reminder moving forward. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the core longing. So this is the message your heart longs to hear um, and experience. And the core longing for an eight is I will not be betrayed. And like I mentioned earlier, betrayal, you know, is a big um, fear or something I really want to avoid. Um, so I'm super careful about who I trust, especially after being burned a few times. Um, it's yeah. rare, but when it happens, um, I tend to forget a lot. I remember that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and part of it's self-protective and not only of me, I know this is my, as an eight core longing, but I was thinking about it earlier. And it's like, it also, if some one of mine is affected by that betrayal or it, again, it makes it even more amped up and it hurts even more, affects me more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll unpack that also right. as we go forward, but I want people to just recognize how important these core motivations are because it is the foundation of why you think, feel, and behave. And so coming back to these and just thinking through whatever circumstance you're going through and kind of funneling it through these four, I mean, all four might be, you know, mm -hmm. being ignited at once. Um, but where's the root? of the situation coming from. And that can be really beneficial. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next part on the front of the first guide sheet is just a real like overview of mm -hmm. the type eight and healthy and less healthy ways. So why don't you read um, maybe the first three paragraphs and then kind of share what you're thinking. And then we'll read the last three paragraphs and then share. All right. So your decisive and assertive leadership style causes you to be a powerful change agent in the world, especially when seeking justice and protection for others. However, you feel an intense need to protect yourself against betrayal and powerlessness by always having an invincible exterior and minimizing any personal vulnerability. Your fear of weakness and vulnerability joined with your thirst for control, power, and justice apart from Christ can lead you to be too blunt, confrontational, insensitive, domineering, cynical, and even vengeful. Underneath your outward strength is a tender heart with a deep fear of betrayal. 
while other types fear people and become passive, you fear people and become aggressive. Your personality says, I'll control them before they can control me. So what out of that really kind of hit your heart the most or really came to mind? Uh, really, I've thought about what would life be like if I didn't have Jesus, if there mm. wasn't that, um, you know, striving to be like him, to be a disciple. Um, because if you didn't, if I didn't have that, all of these um, domineering, cynical, even vengeful parts could be so much more a part of my life and would be yeah. da so damning, damaging for me and others. Um, right. So, yeah, I think I'm grateful that I have him um, yeah. to help moderate myself. And um, yeah. so that's one of the first things that comes. Yeah, um, I love that. And it's so true. And it's so true for all the nine types, right? But in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I love that. Well, let's go to the next part. And then we'll okay. kind of bring this whole section together because there might be maybe a story or an insight that you're experiencing more recently that a lot of these components um, capture. Okay. Inevitably, this self-protection ends up doing more harm than good. To protect yourself, you live in denial, suppressing any emotions that cause you to feel vulnerable, out of control, or exposed, living as though you never existed. In relationships with others, you can end up sacrificing intimacy so that your weaknesses can't be discovered and used against you. Denying yourself closeness and tenderness with others, as well as giving or receiving of forgiveness, leaves you feeling incomplete. You miss out on the intimacy and support for which you were created. When your heart surrenders your fear of betrayal to Christ, you can relinquish your need for control and allow people to see an endearing vulnerability and compassionate strength. From that place, you can better protect the innocent from injustice, empower others, and use your leadership for greater good. Yeah. So what of what from that stood out the most. And then I'd love to hear maybe a circumstance or scenario, whether you're currently struggling with, or you have in the past that really kind of highlights maybe a lot of this. Um, that last part, it's, there's so much in that last um, paragraph that is tied to what people perceive of as an eight is with the intensity and the anger and uh, frustration is the word I use more. I think it's a level of frustration or um, I've mm -hmm. heard it, I've read it and agree with it, a rub with the world um, mm -hmm. that can be perceived as negative and sometimes feels negative. But I like how the last um, paragraph flips it. And it's like when you're in a healthy place, you can use all of that. Um, we are created to use our giftings and how we're created good and that's one of my favorite phrases is um, use your power for the good and yeah. it's what I try to do I can tell that now that I am tapped in a little bit more to my emotions um, <laughs> if I let myself be moved by something and I'll sit and try to figure out what was that that got me it's yeah. people using their power whatever that is um, for the good of others yeah 
Yeah. And, and I love how the flow of this, cause you know, it talks about some good stuff and then it gets into some really hard stuff mm -hmm. and then it's like, but, and, and that's you know, like in scripture, a lot of it's, but God, you know, yeah. um, because I have to interrupt and tell you something right now. That's the one tattoo yeah. I have on me is, but God. Oh, you really? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's yeah. A, it's one of my favorite. Yeah. Um, and so why did you pick that tattoo? Um, I had, you know, I read about it in Ephesians and it just struck me as, you know, you think about that in so many different ways. If it wasn't for him there, then things would be so and put whatever it is harder, sicker, you know, um, right. just it's through him and because of him. So, but for God, um, yeah. life would be so much different without, and then without the hope. So yeah. Yeah. I sat on it and then decided to get the tattoo. Right. Yeah. And I love that because that really captures kind of the core longing and any, any type mm -hmm. could put, but God, and then their core longing. Um, but for you, so type eights kind of a hidden side of them is that they have a really vulnerable, tender heart and they're really wanting someone bigger and stronger to protect them, to lead mm -hmm. the way, to plow a path. But they look around, they're like, eh, I'm not seeing anyone. I guess I've got to do it all. Mm -hmm. um, but they're longing for that. And they're longing for someone they can trust that won't betray them. And that's where, but God comes in for the type eight. And I mean, of course that's true for all the nine types that, that phrase, but it means so much more for the type eight that I have someone that I can depend on to protect me, to take care of me and to help me to get from where I am to where I need to go here on earth, but also eternally. And mm -hmm. so I love, I love that you, that's your one tattoo. I love that. That's so cool. Yes. When, when did you get that? How, like, was it recently, it was during, a long time ago? It was during COVID. Um, our daughter and I went and got a tattoo together, right? When the tattoo places opened back up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, I'll have, interesting how things come together. We're just doing a scripture reading with our church here and read um, Exodus 14, 14. And it says, God will fight for you. You mm. just need to be still. And yeah. that just hit me hard um, in a great way. Yeah. So, yeah, that idea that he does continues, you know, to fight for us and want yeah. us. And um, yeah, I just need to sit still, which again is very, very hard. Um, right. As an eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's an invitation, right? It's an invitation yeah. to, and Joseph Campbell had the saying, um, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Mm. And so for all of our types, you know, there is this cave that we fear and we're, we're trying so hard not to go in that cave. But if we go, if we go through it with trusting God, so much good comes out from the other side. Mm -hmm. And so as you're going into the world with striving for less intensity, that doesn't mean getting rid of it because intensity is good for an eight. Like you guys are made to do that. I call them the big mm -hmm. diesel snow plows. Mm -hmm. Like in the North, if we didn't have y'all, we wouldn't get around, you know, yeah. um, we can't just have a little Ford pickup truck shovel, you know, a highway mm -hmm. with a foot of snow. We need those big diesel snow plows. So, but we need them to do it in a way that is best for everyone. And that's getting people behind them and plowing a path. So we want your intensity, but in the healthy way. And so mm -hmm. by saying the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek, what do you think the cave is for you? And what do you think mm -hmm. the treasure would be on the other side? 
That's a good question, Beth. Um, I think it is tied to um, letting go of things more uh, and which ties into me to the vulnerability um, it's, and tied to the control um, that I desire because uh, there's a false sense of comfort, you know, from yeah. feeling like you have the control. So um, there's been times when I've been still and thinking about things and had the thought of, wow, how how peaceful and relaxing it sounds to be able to just lay that all down. Yeah. And right. But there's a lot of letting go in that, that I'm just slowly chipping away at. Um, and what thoughts or fears, feelings come up by even just thinking about letting go? Total vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not a pleasant thought. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that would be, that would put myself at the mercy of someone else, even if it's in a God I trust or on an earthly level, you know, a husband I love and adore and trust. Um, but, and we're great partners. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, the idea of, and maybe there's, you know, levels of that. Um, yeah, letting everything down. So, and that's might be how I ease myself into something like that. But yeah, feeling that vulnerability, the lack of having agency, it feels like I would be letting go of having agency over something when in reality, that might not be the total case. It's just something to think sure. about. That is, that is something to think about. I love that. Bringing up some really poignant questions and, and then also, you know, what, what, you know, maybe you can journal about, okay, so if I were to go through that cave that I so fear, what do mm -hmm. I think is going to come out on the other side? Because we avoid that cave because of the fear, but we usually don't think through it enough of what would be on the other side. Um, and so I think that could be, do you have a, a thought? Yeah. Um, when you first asked and then brought that up again, what about on the other side, what is appealing about that is what feels like would come as a sense of peace. And yeah. um, I have a, a pretty strong nine wing. So I have this conflict between the intensity and a desire for peace. Um, and I've sensed the peace before and I felt it and I know how nice it is. Um, so mm -hmm. merging those two, merge is a good word for the nine wing. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, is intriguing, but challenging. So to me, that's what I see as a possibility. Yeah. I could be pleased with other things, but on the other side of that cave feels peaceful and calm. Yeah. And I think having a visual, whether it's in your mind or an actual visual of where you think you will land with mm -hmm. his help getting through the cave to the other side is so important because mm -hmm. if we don't have that visual then, or that idea, um, what's going to spur us on? We're just going to keep getting stuck with that same fear. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So though you and I could unpack this front side with 10 more hours worth right. of stuff and circumstances. Let's go to the backside. But before we go to the backside of the guide sheet, is there a current circumstance that you're struggling with 
um, maybe why you're like, hey, I want to do the coaching session that you want to dive into or pull apart or examine? Uh, yeah, I think one current thing is tied to our recent move here to Auburn, Alabama. We just moved after living almost 30 years in Texas and absolutely love it here and so happy with how this all came about. Um, but, and we both came into it and we both love adventure, my husband and I, and definitely live that way. And it still mm -hmm. is an adventure, but then, you know, your boots are on the ground and some of the rubs of, you know, life happen. And in one way you love it so much, I want it to go a certain way now. You know, I want right. to put roots down and I feel like I've missed out on a lot. And I just want, there's a lot of things I desire. And of course I'm desiring them with intensity and it's hard to dial that back and not let that dominate, you know, my thought processes. So yeah, 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 there's, that's kind of one of the current things that's going on. And if you were, so if that's part of the cave, right? Like the fear of, let's say, um, not being rooted or grounded or having the connections or the, um, projects or whatever yeah. stability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like? going through that now that we've kind of dissected the core motivations and some of these other parts, how, what do you, what are you hoping is on the other side as you learn how to navigate the intensity or the desire to get things put in place right now? So the other side of the cave moving through this. Yeah. So what would, um, if you were able to not experience the frustration mm. or I need things to be settled. I need the stability right now. If you were able to experience it differently in a way that you desire to really experience it, what would that feel like or look like? Hmm. I would probably slow things down um, in my head and actual the physicality of moving through things. Um, remind myself that it is an adventure and that we both stepped into so excitedly and again still love so i think the reminding myself of that part of this journey that we're on um and a couple of decisions have been made recently to where now it's like yeah okay we're going to do we're going to stay in this place for now we've made that decision taken some other things off the table and that you know, as part of the process, you have to make those decisions. And so right. there's been like a, a settling. Um, now, yeah, thinking back to getting to this one point of decision making, spinning less on it and exerting less energy on it and trying to uh, keep in mind what I think of as the seven side that's available to me um, and have successfully pulled on before to remember to do that now would be helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's a great segue to the backside. So oh. I'm going to flip the <laughs> guide sheet over <laughs> because on the back of the guide sheet and those that aren't watching, um, what you would see is four boxes and there's a brown box, a blue box, a green box, and a yellow box. And each of them have the Enneagram symbol, but they have a line from eight 
to five in the brown one, a line from eight to two in the blue one, a line eight to two in the green one, and a line from eight to five. So two of them have the lines from eight to five, and two of the boxes have a line from eight to two. Um, and so the first box is talking about what an eight is like when you're under stress. And we call these Enneagram paths. So if anyone's wondering, like, what are these lines in the Enneagram symbol? Well, they're just, it's just a map. It helps you to know when you're struggling, but also when you're doing well. And some people think that you only go to one when you're under stress and one when you're growing, but we actually go to both the healthy all the way to the unhealthy and both the types we're connected to. And so that's what we're going to, um, basically map out today and like what your journey is like. So let's, let's, as we're going through this, let's use the circumstance that you're struggling with right now as kind of an, oh, like, so you're, we're going to collect the dots by talking about this, but then we're going to connect the dots. Okay. So the first box and I'll um, click so you can see it all, but the first box is the stress path. So from eight to five, now you still remain an eight with your core motivations, but the type five is a connecting part of you and it influences you. And when you're not at your best and you're struggling or an autopilot, you can actually experience some of the tendencies. You can be influenced by some of the tendencies of the five. So when you're under stress, that means you as an eight are not at your best. You're going to bring in the same level of unhealth, whether it's a little bit or a lot mm -hmm. of the five. And so what this looks like. So here's some of the key points of what the five might look like showing up in an eight. So you might withdraw become secretive and isolated and observe from afar, which is different than how an eight typically is, right? You might detach from your emotions and gain more knowledge to be on the offense. So the eight's like, wait, I think I'm on the defense right now. Let me backpedal. Let me go gather more information because I'm not going to be on the defense. I'm going to be on the offense. So that's mm -hmm. kind of, they're using the five to gather information and to know more. And another one is become more cerebral and less physically assertive and action oriented. And then you might distrust people and become cynical and harsh. So how, it, whether in this circumstance we were talking about, or just in life, how have these popped up? And do you see these popping up when you're under stress? I definitely have seen the withdrawal and um, just going inward. You know, I think of mm -hmm. the stance of an aide is very out kind of in your face uh, right. in your zone. Um, but I can, again, being part of that gut triad, I feel it going inside, um, yeah. when I'm in that five, um, stress path. <coughs> um, and I do really enjoy the research part to me. That's a, I enjoy it, but I also know what I'm doing. I can, when I start to head that way, it's a good gauge of, oh, I wonder, you know, I need to be checking on where I am because I'm going to go gather some information. That happened a lot um, in the early days of COVID. I would go to my bedroom, oh, shut sure. the door, because talk about no control, not knowing where things are going, being told what you're going to do. Um, and I would yeah. spend a lot of time alone. And I thought, and it, I do agree still, it was probably better for me and everyone else around me uh, <laughs> to do that. Um, but yeah, I definitely saw that. And as I have understood the Enneagram more as a key example of the five. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so then we'll move to the next box, which is the blue box, and we call that the blind spot path. Mm -hmm. Now, this is when an eight is still not in their best place or kind of in an autopilot or less healthy, but this is an eight moving towards the average, the unhealthy aspects of two. So that two is going to influence the eight in not so great ways. And the interesting thought of uh, part about the blind spot path is this usually shows up with your family or the people you're most comfortable with, like the people you let down your hair or you let them mm -hmm. see your, your disheveled home or something. So this isn't usually going to pop up um, for anyone. And what's interesting is that when people read their own blind spot, it takes them a while to really go, oh yeah, mm -hmm. like that is so true. And then once they see it and they see it in those relationships closest to them, it really starts make, making sense of why in the family unit things can get um, disruptive so quickly. So for eight, um, when you move towards the average, the unhealthy parts of type two, you're going to seek reassurances that those close to you, that they still need you. So you're looking for that dependency. You're looking for that need from them. Um, you can become overly helpful by um, overstepping relational boundaries and inserting yourself into their lives. Um, and especially when they're not even asking for help, you're just gonna do it. You're gonna help, you're gonna support. Um, and then desire appreciation for all that you're doing for others. So you're gonna look for, hey, does anyone, hello, do you guys see what I've been doing? Kind of maybe it'll be a little martyr-like now. You're still an eight, so you're gonna do it in an eight-ish way, not just a two-ish way. But these are some of the things that can pop up at home. Now, obviously there's tons more that could pop up. This is just a good example. Mm -hmm. um, when and how have you seen these pop up for you? On the first one was seeking that they still need you. What, um, again, I know there's a wide variety of how things people experience this. To me, it's more like not need me, but want me. Mm -hmm. um, then that is what hits more to me. Um, so yeah, and that's good. So I just want to point out, I'm so glad that you changed the word to fit what resonates with you the most, because, you know, for some eights, it might be the word need. And for some eights, it might be the word want. So I'm really mm -hmm. glad that you, you went ahead and changed that. Yeah, that so I've noticed that um, with my closest people. Um, normally, just in all honesty, I and my husband jokes with me about this, I'll say, I don't really care what anybody else thinks, you know, outside <laughs> of my core. Um, those people matter, but, you know, I tend to put that, um, air out there, uh, really not spending a whole lot of time worrying about what other people are perceiving or thinking. Now there's different levels to that, but, um, on the becoming overly helpful, I personally don't see that as much. So be curious. I'm going to go check in with all my people, um, and see what <laughs> they think, um, but I wonder if it's because I think I'm a social subtype eight. Uh -huh. yep. And so I'm very aware of my group and the people, even on a wider level of who I'm with. And mm -hmm. I think that might be a reason I don't resonate with that middle one as much. Yeah. And, and, well, and if you have a stronger nine wing, you know, mm -hmm. that nine wing is very observant of how others, mm -hmm. you know, because a nine doesn't want to insert themselves into people's life because I might cause conflict. So if the nine yeah. is really influencing you at the time, the two might back off a little bit, mm -hmm. but it could be, yeah. you know, think of mother bear, you know, so mm -hmm. if, 
if your child was overlooked or harmed or belittled or there was an injustice you or um someone's not tending or caring for your daughter the way that they should mm-hmm. that's the the not the eight um justice and the passion moves in to help in ways that maybe your daughter's like mm-hmm. hey i could have done this myself thanks you know yeah. <laughs> like i I can figure out my life and the, and the eight can just feel like, but no, you know, I, I see so much and I don't want you harmed. So I'm going to kind of, and of course you're not thinking about it. I'm going to overstep uh, to make that. sure that doesn't happen to you. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I can see looking out for that. Yeah. 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 So ask, it's always amazing when, um, when people go through the blind spot path with their family, the family usually is like <laughs> shaking their head and the person's like, really? What, what do you mean? Like, tell me more, you know, yeah. it's so let's, intriguing. Let's go have coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's great to be open about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is what's what, from a Christian perspective of the Enneagram is yes, we have our weakness. We have our frailties. We have our sins. We have all of the things that um, we struggle with apart mm-hmm. from Christ and those we need to see and, and own, um, apologize for, and then repair, but we don't have to be stuck in shame and uh, condemnation because he's already won the battle. So mm-hmm. we get to acknowledge our weaknesses, but quickly offer them right back to him who enables us to grow. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, unfortunately, people use the Enneagram towards themselves and maybe even others too, of you're not at your best, you know, or I'm not at my best and they get all worked up when it actually, yeah, you know what? We do struggle and we need to welcome that and understand it and attune to ourselves so that we can grow, which helps us to move into these next two boxes, which is the first one is called the growth path. And this is when we are surrendering to the Holy Spirit and enabling him to work in and through us in ways that, you know, we may not not naturally just do, but as he works in and through us and we trust him, you can take on some of the healthy aspects Mm -hmm. of two. So we looked in the blind spot, how you can take on some of the less healthy. Now we're going to look at how you take on some of the healthy attributes. And this is where you put the needs of others before your own by plowing a path for them. Mm -hmm. You become more thoughtful, empathetic, compassionate, and caring towards others. And you show your feelings, your tender heart, and your vulnerable side. Does this feel true to you when you kind of feel yourself growing? Yes. um, And I've Sometimes I'll think to myself when I notice me moving in this path and interacting with people this way, I show a, a genuine curiosity about people. Um, yeah. And sometimes I'm like to myself, who are you? Like, that's not you um, when you're not healthy uh, or, you know, I'm learning so much about myself through this journey. It's funny to kind of laugh at that sometimes. But um, yeah, that feels very open. A very open stance when yeah. I'm open to others, and I definitely can see the difference between you know that inward um, headed towards the five side. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I would just point out because like as we're kind of bringing all of the components so far today into perspective, again thinking of yourself as that big diesel snowplow. Mm-hmm. If you are because eights love to know what the task is at hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, I can just get it done. Right. And that's wonderful. But if they're not mindful of those around them, they may unintentionally 
bump into them on the side of the road, right? You know, like if the yeah. plow, snowplow was going and, you know, the person's like, oh, hey, you, you nicked me. And they sometimes is like, well, why are you there? <laughs> <on a path?" laughs> like, that's your fault. You saw um, me coming. Right. Like, you know, um, so, but, but the healthy eight, and especially moving in this two way is seeing and in using the nine wing too, seeing who's around, what their needs are and saying, Hey, trust me, I've got you get behind me and I'll take care of it all. You know, of course the, the people have to do their own work, but yeah. that's the disposition, the heart of an eight. And I, that's why when I'm trying to explain eights to others that aren't an eight, there's so many misconceptions. I'm sure you've experienced how people misunderstand you and they might use language or words that don't describe eights really well. And I'm like, that's because you don't understand an eight. Eights at the core have this really tender heart and they just want to plow a path for up for themselves and others and to see good things come out of it, that there's fairness, there's justice. But when they're not in a good place, that same snowplow can wreak havoc. And so this is where I talk about it being like the Enneagram being like a rumble strip on the highway where you can use this info and we'll get to the last one, which is um, coming up, but you can use this information like a rumble strip in an internal GPS. It's like, okay, as an eight, a healthy direction for me to go is to bring in some of that healthy two and to bring in some of the healthy five. Mm -hmm. But when I start to notice that unhealthy five and that unhealthy two popping up, that's the rumble strip. And I can choose in the moment to either listen to it and redirect myself, or I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to fall asleep at the wheel and not pay attention. Or I'm just going to go in and crash. And that's where this can be so dynamic because these are all things that can alert us in the actual moment that we're experiencing it and help us to pause, to reorient our heart and our mind and then move in a whole new way, which then the last box is the converging path. And this is where you're going to go to the highest, healthiest part of five. Now, we talked earlier about how that was your stress path, mm -hmm. but now at your healthiest, you're not only a healthy eight and bringing in that healthy two, but you're also bringing in the healthy five. And what this can look like is that you're going to take a more humble and realistic view of your place in life. You're going to pause before reacting to your gut instincts thinking through things and what is actually the best path forward. You're going to gain more knowledge and insight into your own inner world. And then you're going to observe the gifts and talents of others looking for ways to help them forward and help them to thrive. Mm -hmm. So when in your life have these things really popped up? Do you have like a, a moment, a scenario that you can think of? The thing that I think of first is, that word pause, like I mentioned before, just mm -hmm. being open and even just aware enough to know that I need to slow down and pause. Um, the other word that comes to mind is intentionality. I'm trying to think of a specific example. I'm not getting it yet, but I'm thinking about the things that go into creating those examples because I know they're That's there. Perfect. I'm just not tripping on one right now. Um, is to be intentional with people um, yeah. and again, be curious um, and yeah. outwardly focused um, to allow all of these things to come together. I love your description of the snowplow. I've loved it ever since I first heard it. It really resonated um, and how I see this growth path and converging path working with that 
and um, is reminding like when you're not going to nick somebody, it's going to take that looking out, being aware. Um, and what I've the phrase I've used with the snowplow analogy is to be able to downshift. Mm, I love that. To, and mm -hmm. um, slow it down a little bit, allow people to get behind you or to come alongside and then get behind um, because that resonates with me. And then yeah. I'm able to move forward, um, gaining more knowledge and insight into your inner world. Again, going to that high side of five pulls on that willingness to go inward in a positive way and maybe do a little research on myself. Um, and then apply that to the people around me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That is such a great way to summarize it all. And as you continue forward in using the Enneagram as an internal GPS and as a rumble strip, what I think for you would be really special is use your tattoo, but God, mm -hmm. as that reminder of the growth path and the converging path. Like it really is you mm -hmm. at your healthiest because you are downshifting, you are pausing, you are intentional because you know, he's got you, you know, he is the one foraging the path and you get to follow him as you plow a path for others. Does that, does mm -hmm. that sound true for you? Yeah, I love that as an idea. It's, yeah, you know, as most things, once you've had it for a while, you don't notice it as much. It's yeah. a tattoo being, and then it, we're in the winter and it's always covered up. So um, that's right. But yeah, I need to be, again, more intentional. And it's a great thread to remember back why did I choose that? Um, what did that do inside me um, yeah. to make me choose that? Well, we have one more. Um, portion of the guide sheet. Now the guide sheets have reflection questions that we've kind of basically kind of done um, mm -hmm. in this segment. Um, but the last one is this internal message. So this is like a record player that's in your mind all the time playing these messages over and over. We've got lots of them, but we mm -hmm. just want to focus on one specific one. And one of them that kind of rings true in the mind of an eight is as long as I'm in control and remain tough, then I'm okay. So what we want to do with this is to kind of flip it on its head. So when you have that thought, mm -hmm. we want you to be able to go, okay, wait, how do I know? So we have questions on this guide sheet, like how will you know you are tough enough to protect yourself completely? And how much control do you need to ensure that you have protection? So it's really kind of poking at the assumption and reminding ourselves that that is actually not a true statement. Does, does the, tr does the statement feel true for you? The, as long as I'm in control and remain. Yeah. It's funny when I read that, I was like, and <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. And what's so funny is, okay. So all the nine, all the eight types besides nine, when I read theirs, they look at me like, that is true. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like you can't convince me otherwise. So then I say, Hey, let me tell you about the type nines message and you'll see how yours isn't true. So the type nines, it's kind of sad. Our message is as long as everyone else is good and okay, then I can be good and okay. Mm -hmm. You're a mom, you're a wife. <laughs> you know that, that no one on this planet is good right. and okay. So basically the type nines are all out there. They're never good and okay. You know, how sad is that? But that's not true. A type nine can be good and okay, even if people aren't happy and satisfied. Mm -hmm. And so that helps the, hopefully for you yes. and like other types to go, 
oh, wait, yeah, this isn't true. Does yeah. did that kind of like shift your mind just a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And then that question, the first question, how will, how will you know? I mean, I literally tried to answer it. You, you, you phrased it kind of like a rhetorical, but I'm like, oh, because of this, this and this. Um, but it is good to try to wrap your head around it. Um, and that's yeah. where that word exhausting came in. If you're trying to do that all the time with the right. delusion that you're going to be okay, which is a, a lie um, that yeah. we're telling ourselves and that uh, is being told to us. Um, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. Okay. So what I want to do now is just to, and let me see, um, I want to just wrap it up by seeing if with the current circumstance that you are experiencing, like with moving to um, Auburn and the things that you're feeling like really intensely about, you want to get things done. Now that we've unpacked your type with the core motivations, um, some of the highs and the lows, and especially the Enneagram um, paths, so the internal GPS, how do you see yourself moving forward with this dilemma that you're experiencing in a new way? I think perspective is huge. Um, just remembering that this is a small thing in one way, you know, it feels big, but that we, we are blessed with many options, keeping that, um, in front of me, um, trying to get outside of myself, which I think might be pulling on that too, um, you mm -hmm. know, to keep my mm -hmm. eye on others, the other people that I want to care for and take care of and, and are here. Um, and also I really do think pulling on the um, adventure enthusiasm wing of my yes. seven is, I forget about it. I am so eight, nine, most of the time that, yeah. I literally have to go like, oh yeah, remember when that worked for you um, in the past? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, because the sevens are great at reframing and bringing positivity and mm -hmm. that, like starting off the day, you know, with, you know, optimism and yeah. joy. And so I think that's a really great insight for you mm -hmm. is, oh, you know, and I talk about our connecting types of the wings and the Enneagram pass as being kind of like seasoning that's right yeah. next to you when you're cooking, like it's right there. You yeah. can access it and, you know, and then experiment with it. Like, okay, what does it look like to actually use the type seven in a different way? And it will feel at times awkward by just trying it, but I think yeah. you'll start to see that, no, that's a part of you. And it's a beautiful part of you that will help you to endure mm -hmm. um, the length of time that it's going to take to get to where you want to go, the stability you're looking for, yeah. the eight, I mean, the seven can really bring that new, fresh perspective. I love that you um, thought of that. Yeah. And what else? Um, just slow, reminding myself to go slow because um, mm -hmm. I run at such a fast speed. I am um, tend to be so future forward that I can barely remember someone will say, what'd you do yesterday? And I'll be like, what did I do yesterday? Uh, let me go look at my pictures or my calendar that it will tell me what I did yesterday or the weekend. So staying more present in the here and now, I think, yeah. and enjoying that instead of being a mile or two down the road. Um, yeah. 
is good. And so when I when I hear you talking about that, so it kind of comes from our book, More Than Your Number, where we talk about that these connecting types are parts mm-hmm. of us. So when you're saying all that, I literally can envision this eight who's got a lot of passion and intensity and can get a ton of stuff done, but knows that they have to not only tend to themselves, but tend to others in a new way. And so part of mm-hmm. that is okay, so how do I use my type seven wing? Well, I'm not quite where I want to be, you know, because I I just want to get from here to stability instantly. But there are good things that are happening. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at the good parts, I'm going to actually go inward to the fives, the inward observation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to observe like, what am I feeling? And then how can I with all of that? How can I bring that seven in? But then I also need to focus on others, which is very nine ish and two ish. Mm -hmm. And how do I understand those around me and give them the compassion and, and, um, the flexibility that they're different than me, that they're slower (laughs) than me as an eight, but also how do I move on their behalf? And I believe that when you bring in all of those positive elements of your connecting types, your eight will shine. Like it will be this unstoppable, beautiful force because it's no longer going to be, you know, a, a snowplow that is plowing over people. It's going to be a very intentional snowplow that is Mm -hmm. actually plowing the perfect path for everyone to get where they need to go and in a measured way and in a joyful way. Um, And so when I hear you kind of saying all those things, that's how I see it all kind of coming together. Does that land on you well? It does. It sounds um, peaceful, peaceful, and control yet still controlled right i mean and i mean that in a good way it's orderly and well thought out reminds me um this phrase went through my head as you were talking about that and how you view things is one of the ways i'm choosing to think about things this year is that i get to not that i have to not that i must but that i get to do such and such and that to me has been so freeing um, to sit in that. And it, again, keeps me more in an open stance. So yeah. to me, that ties in with everything you just said. And it sounds yeah, like an amazing existence. Yeah. <laughs> and it is who you can experience because mm-hmm. all of those parts are in yeah. you. And at the same time, we live on this side of heaven. And this is the the conundrum that we face on a daily basis of Okay, so we slip back a little bit or we do things that aren't as healthy. And Mm -hmm. usually we get upset with ourselves or frustrated with others. And some of that's understandable, but it's not always helpful. And so if we can welcome what is currently happening and observe within ourselves, like you said, downshifting Mm -hmm. and bringing in the grace of God, that he's not surprised by the circumstance. He's not surprised like by how slow your stability is, you know, with the new move is coming. And more beautiful things will come about when we are not fixated on condemning or shaming ourselves, but owning and accepting, but moving forward with the Holy Spirit's health, um, help. Um, and so that's my, um, my favorite thing about the Enneagram is that it is a non-judgmental friend. It just gives us a map, but it's Christ who really guides and leads us and has won the victory for us. And we get to enjoy that even on this side of heaven. And so I hope that this time together has been really helpful and enlightening for you. It has. Thank you so much for walking me through that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I am so thankful for Amanda being open and vulnerable. As a type eight, that's hard, but she said, nope, I'm all in. And I'm so grateful for you to be able to experience an eight in a real coaching session. Now, I'm sure many of you are eager to get your own Enneagram coach because you're like, man, she experienced a lot of aha moments, especially at the end where we wrapped it all up together and how to use what she learned today in her everyday life. So if you want to get a certified Enneagram coach, go to myenneagramcoach.com. In fact, Amanda herself is one of our coaches. And I said, hey, would you like to give this a try? And let's see how much you can grow up person who's not only an enthusiast, but an expert in the Enneagram, you've gone through the training. Can we see what a coaching session will do for you and the insights it will bring? And boy, did it bring her insights. I am so thankful for her, but she loves to help young people navigate the new seasons of life. So if you're a young person and you would love a great Enneagram coach, Amanda or any of our certified coaches are going to be the right fit for you. Again, find your coach at myenneagramcoach.com. Now you might be out there and you feel inspired. You're like, wow, that would be so fun to be an Enneagram coach. And let me tell you, it is, it is literally the best job ever. So if you're out there and you're pondering and thinking, maybe I should be an Enneagram coach, then take our free mini course. See what it's like. You can get your free mini course at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash mini course. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I hope today's session really got to show you a positive change in someone's life when using the Enneagram in a really good way. And I'm excited for you to listen in next week's episode, because guess what? We're doing another live coaching session, but this time with a type seven, the enthusiast optimist, right? So I can't wait for you to be at that episode. And as always, remember the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder because it's the gospel that transforms us. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.